number three, verse number one this morning, Ezekiel chapter three, verse one. The Bible says, if you read along with me, I'll read aloud. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go, get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. Thank you, Lord, for your word here today, and I pray that you help us to understand some things about the transmission of your word, the preaching, the teaching, the making clear, clear the, the, the pro proclamation of your word to those who hear, and Lord, how that is being received. And Lord, I pray that you just help us to understand what we're dealing with here today when we deal with your word, your heart, your mind, your thoughts to us. So, Lord, I pray that uh, you'd help us as we look at giving the word here this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God gave Ezekiel his word through the written page, the roll that it was on, the scroll. And he says, here, eat this. And he ate it. And then he says, now go deliver it. The further this world moves to the left the harder it will be to proclaim the message and the authority of God's word. And the, the less the Bible will be tolerated. This is God's word. This is what he says, and he gives it to us. He gives it to his men, to his people, to, to deliver, to proclaim. And those around, sometimes they'll listen and hear and whatever, and sometimes they'll be opposed to it. It's getting to be more and more where the world is in unison and opposition against God's word. We live in such a landscape that tolerance for the truth is getting weaker and weaker. Who would have ever thought that we'd be in a place today where colleges and universities actively battle against thought or concepts or world orders that are contrary to the conclusion that the liberal left has embraced? But that's where we are. When there's something that's going to contradict that world that they live or that uh, folks live in, schools have adopted the notion that society should protect snowflakes from opposing thought that may offend or upset them. So they, they shouldn't be having to hear that, anything that would be contrary to what they believe. They've formulated what they call safe spaces. That's the weirdest things that you, you, you hear about nowadays, safe spaces in universities and colleges where nary a discouraging word can be heard. It reminds me of the utopian world of the old song, uh, home, home on the Range, where never is heard a discouraging word and the skies are not cloudy all day. So you can go to these safe spaces and never hear the truth if it goes contrary to what you hold to. Conservative speakers are sometimes prevented from upsetting pea-brained activists who cannot take the logical discussion and presentation of opposing narratives. Oh no, uh, we must silence the opposition. That's the, the position 
of those who are hearing the truth today. We have this uh, crowd that is growing in, in uh, uh, strength called um, uh, Antifa. And that is anti-fascists. That's what they're all about. That's anti-fascist. They've actually morphed into textbook fascists. A component of fascism is the forcible suppression of opposition. If there's going to be something opposing something that's on the other side, then it's forcibly suppressed. No give and take, no reasoning, no logical discussion. No, no, just forcing the silence of its opponents. Shouting down or in violence, beating down those who dare to think differently. It's the opposite of freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is where one person has this position, one person has that position. You're uh, free to speak that. And with the give and take and the, and the discussion and the reason, then a person can make up their mind as far as that. But it's the opposite of freedom of speech. Violence is the favored tool in the tool belt, tool belt of the fascist. And this is exactly what we're seeing in hotbeds like university campuses and places like Portland and Seattle, where the opposing side is shouted down, not to be heard. And by the way, let me say this in the uh, presentation of truth. There's a difference in man-made or man-run governments that is of the people, for the people, by the people, uh, and then divine authority, divine reign. We must respect our equals. We live in a society in which we all live together and people feel differently about different things. Every other person in the human race, we uh, are neighbors, and so we've got to understand that, respect that, but now when it comes to God, we've got to acknowledge divine sovereignty and authority. You see, because God made us. It's not, he's not an equal. We, we are not uh, calling the shots. He made us. He created us. He gives us life. He allows us choice and ultimately judges his creation. But even God allows us to accept or reject his laws or his authority, his truth. We'll see that in our text passage in Ezekiel. We started in chapter 3, but going back to chapter 2, verse number 7, this is what God says about giving his word. He says, And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. He says, Give my words, and it's up to them whether they're going to heed it, accept it, believe it, or reject it, discount it whether they hear or whether they forbear. The Bible declares God's position of reasoning with those who are at odds with him. Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 18. Come now, God says, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. He, he's desiring to reason with, believer, with believers and unbelievers alike. Let's reason together, listen to the presentation of the truth he is all about presenting the truth and allowing the individual to decide for himself. As a matter of fact, God has never silenced his enemies. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do what Antifa does. He challenges them to a duel of truth. Jeremiah chapter 23, look at what the Bible says about God's word as opposed to those who are against God's word. He says, how long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? 
Yea, they are prophets of the, the deceit of their own heart. They're not giving God's word. They're telling what they want in opposition to God, contrary to what God says. They're people that are, that are spewing out this. And it's lie, God says it's lies, but he doesn't just stamp it out. This is what he says in verse 28. The prophet that hath a dream, go ahead, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word. Okay, so here's God's word, and here's those that are against God's word. And God says, put them both on the table. Let them both be heard. That's the Lord's position. Let him tell a dream, and let he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like as a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? You see, in that presentation, you will see that the truth prevails. See, God does not silence the enemy. He says, let him speak, and he appeals to the sense of logic of the listener. It's when the enemy is afraid of the truth that they'll try to shut it down, to silence the opposition, to suppress the truth. Folks, we live in that kind of a society today in which the truth is suppressed. <clears throat> we live in a time where there's an accepted politically correct position that are the only positions allowed in the public square sometimes. Laws are being pushed today in New York City where you can be fined for using a pronoun other than requested by the transgenders, not him and her, or he and she, but as Zim, Zappy, and Zoe, whatever, you know, whatever they, I, who knows, you're gonna have to learn a whole uh, vocabulary. And you can be fined, folks, you can be fined for purposely using the gender of birth of a person if they don't associate with that gender, they're fluid in, in their gender. That's crazy. Folks, that's crazy. That's, that's not both, you know, you know, if a person wants to think this way and a person wants to think that way, they're on the table. No, it's not like that. It's a suppression of the truth. Toleration which is the popular mantra of the liberal, toleration has deteriorated in the most intolerant stance that we've ever seen to date, to where those that are claiming to be tolerant are intolerant of an authoritarian message or God's word, you know, what God says is the truth. Absolute truth is assaulted and traded in for actualized or personalized truth. It's your truth, not my truth. Well, this is my truth. No, there's different perspectives for sure. But there's only one truth. Truth is truth. Now, Ezekiel was commanded to speak God's word to a society that just didn't want to hear it. But God made it clear <coughs> that he wasn't responsible for the acceptance of the outcome. Ezekiel was just supposed to speak his truth faithfully. Just give the truth. Whether or not the folks of Ezekiel's day or Zechariah's day or Jeremiah's day, whether or not they accepted the truth, that wasn't the measure of success. Regardless of the crowd's reception of the word, it just needed to be spoken. It needed to be laid out clearly. As a matter of fact, the Bible gives many instances that God knew ahead of time that his word would be rejected. And he said, give it anyway. I need the truth to be laid out. They need to hear. He wanted it given nonetheless, regardless of whether it's accepted or rejected, regardless of whether it's believed or uh, uh, 
rejected. Let's go back into our text and let's get the context of what God's saying. Remember, he's giving Ezekiel the truth. He says, here, eat this, digest this, and I want you to speak that truth. Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 2 and let's put it in context. Read the whole, whole passage. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse number 7. And thou shalt speak my words <coughs> unto them, God says, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. That's very interesting and, and, and key. And folks, that's what we're going to be uh, emphasizing, emphasizing this morning is that phrase that God gives. In giving his word, he says, it doesn't matter whether they get it or don't get it, whether they hear or whether they will forbear, whether they heed it, whether they pay attention, they believe it, or whether they discount it. Thou shalt speak with my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. Again, that word forbear is to be lacking or forsake or disregard. Whether or not you're going to hold to it or you're going to discount it. He goes, but thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. Verse 9, and when I looked, behold, an hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was written. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. So there is judgments. This is God's proclamation of judgment upon the children of Israel here. Look at chapter 3, verse number 1. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go, get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. God's giving him his words, not just his thoughts, his words, very words. And he says, now, go speak these to the people I send you to. Go down to verse number 10. Look at verse number 10. Ezekiel 3.10. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart and hear with thine ears. And go, get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people and speak unto them and tell them, thus saith the Lord God whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Ezekiel was going to be successful if he just gave the word, not whether they accepted the word. It's not how many people actually got saved or accepted or went along with converts. No, no. He says, give them the word. Your, the success is dependent upon whether you give that clearly, whether they take it or not whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Look down to verse 15. Then I came to them of the captivity at Tel Aviv that, went, that dwelt by the river of Chebar. And I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. That's a whole other message that we can uh, emphasize another time. God says, I'm setting you up. You're going to be the one to give them warning. You're the one that, uh, that's there. But before he was going to deliver this word, notice it says he sat where they sat. 
we're going to mention that in a little bit. Look down to verse number 27 as we finish from this passage where he says, I'm giving you my word, go give it to them. But when I speak with thee, I will open thy mouth, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, He that heareth, let him hear. And he that forbeareth, let him forbear. For they are a rebellious house. Again, the same thought there, whether you hear or whether you forbear. So let's take a look at what's going on here. First, when God gives uh, Ezekiel the word, he says, digest this. Eat it first, ingest it, and then digest the word. Verse number 3 of chapter 3. He said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then I did eat, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. This was not a mere appetizer. He didn't say taste this. No, no, he's to do more than just taste it. It was to be eaten, all of it, ingested, more than just in his mouth. It was to be in his belly and in his bowels. They were to be filled with it. Our digestive system is extensive. Starting with what you put in your mouth and, and uh, it begins, the food that you put in there begins to be worked on with saliva and the, the mashing of, of your teeth, uh, making things bite-sized or, or um, mashing it up, whatever. Uh, the food is broken down, swallowed, and then uh, it's chemically prepared to extract vital nutrients for the body. Every beneficial property of the food is squeezed from the food through the intestines. And this, of course, is what the Bible is talking about when God says, take the word that I give you and eat it and have it to be in your belly and in your bowels. This, of course, is the Bible. It's beneficial. But locked in until through meditation or memorization, exposure to the word, the thought, focus upon the word, all the spiritual nutrients are farmed out for the believer's benefit. Here, it's a, it's a wonderful book, but you've got to spend time in it. You've got to eat it. You've got to ingest the word. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to, to put your focus upon it for you to gain all of the nutrients, all of the benefit that it has for you spiritually. The word is self-identified as food. Uh, the Bible is called, it calls itself uh, milk, the milk of the word. It's called bread. It's referred to as honey. It's referred to as sweetness or meat. If you have a light diet, then you'll have little spiritual strength with meager spiritual victory and stamina. Folks, that's just reality. You're not in the Bible much. You don't know much about the Bible. Don't spend much time in the word of God. Well, you're going to be a lightweight, basically, because you're not going to have the, the, uh, um, the strength, the stamina that you, you need. The more that you feast on the word, the more guidance you'll have from the Lord. The more clarity you'll have in your life. The more knowledge you, that you'll uh, be able to, to take advantage of. The more understanding and spiritual health that you'll enjoy. The more time you're in the word of God, the more you're going to be a healthy, a vibrant Christian and have victory in your life. On the contrary, the less time that you have, so let me ask you right here, right now. How much time did you spend in the Word this last week? Say, preacher, I'm in, the, in church. 
Isn't that good? Yeah, wonderful. If I just ate once a week, I would starve. <laughs> I wouldn't look the healthy specimen that I look like today, you know, if I just ate once a week. Come on now. You can't do that. I mean, really, between Sundays and the time that you focus on the Word, do you spend much time in the Word of God? Listen, folks, your spiritual walk is, is intimately associated, it's connected to the time that you spend in the Word of God, the time that you meditate on the Word of God, the time that you focus on the Word of God, the time that you memorize the Word of God, it's connected. You, you, the, the, like I said, the more that you feast on the, the Word, the more guidance you'll have and clarity and knowledge and understanding and spiritual health that you'll enjoy. It's no wonder that so many of us are struggling in defeat uh, dealing with temptation all the time, and that's where we live, not victory. No, no, we're under attack, and that's where we, we live. Meditation, exposure, and attention to the Word is key. It's key, folks. If the Word of God is our spiritual strength, you got to have time daily in the Word. you got to spend time, especially when you're in a society that, in which we live that is so contrary to the Word of God, the will of God. You've got to wash yourself out with the Word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy Word. Thy Word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against God, against thee. <clears throat> so when the word is presented, the two responses that we can give the word when we hear it, when we're exposed to it, is hear or forbear. That's what he said three times in the passage here. Whether the people hear or whether they forbear. You can hear or forbear. You can pay attention you can respect the word, honor the word, focus upon it, believe it, or we can disregard it, downplay it, avoid making it central in our lives. It's not everything to us, to hear or to forbear. It's one of the two things, one of the two responses that you give the word of God. Everybody does one of the two with the Bible. They hear or they forbear it. You know, you, you heard the, the uh, king that heard the word of God before the fireplace and said, I don't like that. That's the judgment that God says he's going to bring to these people. Cut that out. He had a penknife. He, he cut that, that portion out with his penknife and crumbled it up, threw it in the fire. The next portion was, was uh, red. Cut that out. He says, you know what? I don't like that. Let's cut that out. Had the, had the gall had the audacity to sit there as a puny created creature and God says, thus saith the Lord, and he cuts it out and says, I don't like that, throw that out. I don't agree with that, throw that out. You know, that's what some of you do. Maybe not with a penknife, but you do that in your heart. God says, you must be born again. And you say, I don't need to worry about that. You cut that out. That's, I disregard that, downplay it. No, no, you either hear or you forbear. And, and those that, that, I mean, it's prevalent today. We live in a society of mostly unbelief. Jesus said there's few people that find that, that narrow path to eternal life. Many people go on the wide path to destruction. There's a whole lot more people that have, in this world, 
and the, uh, the, the, uh, where the, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of many, many people around us. And very many people do that. They do that very thing. They listen to the word. They, they uh, cut it out with a pen knife. Or, like the ones that were watching in the king's court, you had some who feared the Lord that were look, looking and saying, No, don't do that. What are you doing to God's word? They fear it. They're, they're paying attention to God's word. They're, they're regarding the, the word of God. <clears throat> it's the same word. It's only one word, one word that God has. Some fear and some disregard it. It's the same word, but there's two receptions. Two effects that people have to that word. Two outcomes. And Jesus said we're left with one of two conditions. The house that was built upon the rock and the house that was built upon the sand. Just went over this with the uh, children in chapel just the other day at the school. You know, the, the wise men built his house upon the rock. You know how that goes. And Jesus said the two, the two are different is because one hears the word and does it and one hears a word and doesn't do it. Two different responses to the word of God. But the outcomes are vastly different. Everybody here are one of two. You either hear or you forbear the word. More or less depending on what we do with the word of God. Ezekiel 2 verse 7, And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Pay attention to the word, folks. There will be a test. You're going to face this again. You're going to be hearing this again. Regardless of how you, you feel about it now, there will be a test. And, and notice that um, the word, when Ezekiel uh, got the roll, you know, remember he ate it in, in chapter 3, verse number 3, then I did eat it and was in my mouth as honey for sweetness? Or was the word bitter? Back in chapter 2, verse number 10, and that was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe, and that was part of the, that was on the scroll. So is it sweet or is it bitter? Well, folks, it's both. Let me tell you something. This book is a book of extremes. You know why? Because the God who authored this book is the God of extremes. That's why we have heaven and hell. Talk about extremes. Goodness. The goodness of God, the pardon, the love of, of God. Wow. But the justice of God and the judgment. It's both bitter and sweet. Heaven and hell are in the book. There, there are sweet, unbelievably sweet things in the book, and there are difficult, tough, awful things. When you think about hell and think about uh, the, the reality of hell, see, the Bible says he is the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Nehemiah chapter 1. The great, and how can you be both great and terrible? It's our God. That's our God, folks. The God that we serve. This God, the creator. He, pay attention, folks. He is the great and the terrible God. 
Although some people don't want to hear that. They want to uh, design a God, have a designer God that they make, and it's just uh, according to their dictates. No, no, let's have a God that just loves. That's it. He's a loving God, and, you know, you can go ahead and disregard him, and it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. He's going to forgive everybody. Everybody's good. Everybody's safe. Everybody's fine. Or let's say you miss heaven, and you miss heaven, and you're annihilated, and you are no more. And so let's just say that that's how God is. No! That's not the God we serve. The God we serve has justice and he, and he has this place that he's designed for the devil and his angels for that original rebellion that those who reject him will go to be with the devil and his angels to be tormented forever and ever. The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and ever and never ending goodness. That's why he's a great and terrible God. That's what it says. Daniel prayed to this God in Daniel chapter 9, verse number 4, as the Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. So let me ask, ask you something, folks. Is, is God great or is he dreadful? Both. Both. Wake up. He's, he's a God who is both great and to be feared. A, a great God of, of unbelievably, unbelievable uh, providence and, and opulence and love and pardon and mercy and, and forgiveness. But he's also a, a God of justice and judgment. The great and dreadful God. He's both. Is God great, loving, merciful, or is he terrible or dreadful? Well, he's both, folks. It depends what side of him that you're on. <clears throat> the word of promise, presence, and prosperity to saints who obeyed God, heeded his word, was comforting and wonderful. Listen, I go to this book before I was saved. I didn't, I didn't go to this book at all. No, no, I was on the others. I was on the, the judgment receiving end of, of things. I didn't want to hear about hell. I didn't want to hear about the rapture and then the, the great tribulation. I remember hearing about those things, fearing goodness. I don't want to, go, you know, miss the rapture because uh, we're talking about facing the Antichrist and all of the, the judgment that, that comes from heaven. You know, hey, listen, that's, that was scary. You know what? Today, think about the rapture is like, Come on, Lord Jesus. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. That's what it says. And that's where I am today. You know what? I'm on the right side of God. I'm in his pardon side. I'm in his mercy side. I'm in the goodness side of God. Well, praise the Lord for that. That's a, a blessing. He, he is wonderful. He's comforting. I read the Bible today, and it's comforting. It's wonderful because I'm the one, the recipient of his mercy, not his judgment. If I wasn't on that side and I read those words of, of condemnation, goodness, goodness. So to some, he was great. But to others, he was terrible, judging and condemning to those who disregarded his word. <clears throat> now, this is talking about the, the giving out of God's word to our friends, our neighbors, to the society. This is what... This is what the Bible says before Ezekiel actually gave the word to these people in verse number 15. He says, I sat where they sat. Then I came to them of the captivity at Tel Aviv that dwelt by the river of Chebar, and I sat where they sat. 
and remained there astonished among them seven days. This is what engaged Ezekiel for the people. It's called empathy. Sympathy. He can, he can understand. He can, he can feel what they felt. Understanding. Folks, we have to intercede for the lost all around us. But it's not until we experience some of the same before we have compassion. And you know what? It's, I, I'm, I'm one happy camper. I'm rejoicing in the Lord's goodness. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. I'm looking forward to that place in heaven. You know, why even bother? But you know what? I've got to remember what it was like prior to coming to Christ so that I have compassion on those others that were as confused as I was, as in the dark as I was, as fearful of God as I was. And when I think about that, and I think about the time that I was there, then I have compassion. And you know what? That makes me want to give them a track. Say, you know what? This helped me. It, it can help you too. <clears throat> I was the first male member of this church who lost his wife in death some years ago. I mean, you know, there's others that, you know, lost loved ones, but for years, it, you know, the Lord's blessings was upon this church and and then I lost my wife. And then shortly thereafter, there's three or four other key men that, that uh, are here this morning. They travel that same road. They lost their love. Can anything good come of months of grief and sorrow and loss? Yeah, there's a word called empathy. Where I sat where they sat and I understood now I know what it means to lose a loved one. I can empathize. I can, I can understand a little. I can pray. I can be there for others. Because of what I went through, I sat where they sat. And so when we would communicate, we would connect. This Saturday at 2 p.m., uh, Dave Bloyer, who's he, he's here this morning. He's going to be celebrating the, the life of his beloved Judy in the memorial service. And by the way, you're invited to, to be there to come if you'd like. See, I sat where Dave is today. And, and I'm able to be that, for, or I want to be, I don't know, Dave, but I want to be that friend to Dave that he needs because I, under, I, I understand I, I understand. I, I have empathy. I, I, I've gone through Just like what Ezekiel said, I sat where they sat. And you know what? When he did, he was able then to have the heart to reach out to, his, to other people. Sitting where they sit is so important to reach the lost. Folks, there's people around you that are just like you, were in your miserable condition before you came to Christ. Remember that. That's what God said to the children of Israel when he was talking about them uh, in the in, uh, Old Testament. He says, listen, uh, be kind to the stranger. Somebody comes through and they, they don't have a home. They would, because you were a stranger in a strange land. You remember that? Remember that? Hey, when we sat where they sat, then we can have compassion. Their struggles and their confusion, their fears. Now, folks, I'd like to 
pull the message together in that phrase that God used three times in this passage throughout the passage of Ezekiel chapter 2, verse number 7. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, giving God's word, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Chapter 3, verse 11. Speak unto them and tell them, thus saith the Lord, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. And then he finishes it off in verse 27. Thus saith the Lord God, he that heareth, let him hear, and he that forbeareth, let him forbear, for they are a rebellious house. Three times he says that. The word of God was given, but number one, it's up to you. God gives his word, and it's the truth, and it's totally up to the person. And that's what he says. Give them my word, but you know, Ezekiel, don't worry about the outcome because whether they hear it or they don't, they don't hear it, they don't heed it, it's up to them whether they hear or whether they forbear. It's up to you whether you pay attention or whether you disregard the word. See, God does not force anybody's acceptance. Although he'll attempt at snagging your attention, you decide what you do with the word of God. You decide what to do with the truth. The truth is laid out. The truth is made plain. You can understand it. He's a God that knows how to communicate, folks. He made your mind. He made your ears and, and mouth and tongue. He knows how to communicate with you. And he's made the truth plain and clear so that you can understand it. And you have the truth. But it's up to you whether you accept it or reject it. He says that you're a sinner in need of redemption. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, I'm not that bad. Hey, listen, God says, everybody come short of the, of the, the, the uh, line. And you do too. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish, Jesus said. Oh, well, I don't need to go into this, you know, repentance thing and, you know, you know come to get religion. You better. See, because God says, turn or burn. I mean, he makes it extremely clear. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's what God says about this thing. You're in, you're in need of redemption. Without his pardon, you're going to face an eternal hell that you've earned by your transgression. Jesus loves you so much that he paid the penalty for your sin. He took your place on the cross. He took your judgment, your punishment. God poured out the condemnation that was, that was you deserve upon Jesus. He was the one that was, was your uh, scapegoat. You must now turn or burn. Heaven or hell is up to you. God will not force that upon you. He will not force you to receive his word. His amazing love, his grace, his pardon is extended to you whether or not you get saved. Whether you hear or whether you forbear. See, God will not make that decision for you. Listen, friend, that decision is yours. Nobody else's, not your husband, not your wife, not your preacher, not your mom or dad, not your kid. No, no, it's your choice, your choice, your choice. God steps back. And he says, give them my word. And it's up to them whether they hear or whether they forbear. And let me say this about that message, the, the word of God that God gives. The message doesn't change. It doesn't matter that you don't believe it. It's still the truth. Well, that's your truth. No, no, it's God's truth and it's reality. 
and it's what you will face someday. Now listen, pay attention. Just because you say I don't believe that doesn't change the truth at all. Not one iota. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Your faith or rejection matters not to its fulfillment. You are going to heaven or you are going to hell. That's what God's truth is, and he's made that very clear. And whether you, I don't believe in a, a hell. I don't believe that God, you can believe whatever you want to believe. It doesn't change the reality of the truth. You are going to heaven or hell. Deny it all you want today. Just like the, the rich man of Luke chapter 16. <clears throat> can you imagine this guy who said, you know, that, religion stuff you know here's others that really get worked up about that i don't believe that i'm so glad we're uh, beyond that we are enlightened and there's no listen when you're dead you're just dead you're gone that's it and the bible says luke chapter 16 verse 23 not a parable but the truth jesus was talking about an event and in hell he lifts up his eyes being in torments all of a sudden did you know something that guy was a Staunch unbeliever, five minutes before he closed his eyes in death. And he became, became the strongest of believers in the world. That 30 seconds after he began his trek in hell. Folks, it doesn't matter. The message doesn't change. This is not your truth or my truth. You know, like as we live in that society, well, it's your truth. Uh, you know, that's your truth. That's what you... No, it doesn't matter. Truth is truth. Reality is reality. I know there's different perspectives, but truth is truth. It's God's truth, the Creator's truth, the Almighty's truth, His Word. Folks, whether a person... See, look, when God says, give them my word, and He, he doesn't say, well, if you know, they'll hear, hear it and pay attention and believe it, wonderful and whatever, but if they forbear, they reject, they you know, disregard it, then, okay, well, they're off the hook. You know, it doesn't, it's not true anymore. It's not what God said. It doesn't change the truth. Whether they hear or whether they forbear. Whether they believe it or don't believe it. And let me say something about this message that God's given you. And I'm not talking about Ezekiel's time and the children of Israel. Yeah, there was a certain message that they had and all, but it applies today. The word of God given to you today is all that you need. You have all that you need to make the decision. Some people are notorious at wanting to have every T uh, crossed, every I dotted before. I want every answer. I've got questions, and I don't know about this, and I don't know about this, and I don't know about... Hey, but there are some things that you do know about. You're not going to get all your, your questions answered. You can live to be 150 years old and still be, be searching some things, and that's what you're waiting for? No, no. You have all you need today. You have all that you need right now to make the... You cannot blame anybody for your decision. The decision that when God's word is presented to you, whether you hear or whether you for, forbear, you're doing that today. It's not something that you put off. You have all that you need for that decision. Oh, for sure, you're going to regret disregarding the warning of God 10,000 years from now. You know what? You may even remember this morning. You know, there's, uh, we were talking about how God uh, pushes the de delete button of memory of saints that he's going to wipe away all tears from their eyes someday. Those unfortunate in hell 
Don't have that option. You remember that guy in Luke chapter 16? The Bible says he died and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. And he, he was, uh, after a while he couldn't, he realized he couldn't get out of there. And he says, well, send somebody to my five brothers. And, and this is what was said to him. Remember in thy lifetime. Remember your choice. Remember what happened. You came right, you came, listen, friend, you came so close, so close to receiving Christ and being saved and having your sins pardoned. You came so close to the Spirit of God speaking to your heart saying, you know what, that preacher's telling you the truth. You need this. You, you've got to repent. You've got to get right with God. You're a million miles away from God and you know it. And you know the Spirit of God is, is dealing with your heart and, you, and you're, you're, you're there, the, the moment of decision in a, in a service like this where things are made clear and you came so close just saying, okay, I repent. I believe what the word of God says and I re receive it. Hey, listen. And you, you said no. I wonder if you can remember this day. I, remember, I wonder if, you, if, if those words can be spoken to you about this morning, 10,000, 20,000, a million years from now, and that's just the beginning of eternity, and you'll, you'll remember. Remember that day over and over in your mind. Hey, it was so close. I could have been saved. Hey, whether you're here or whether you're forbear, it's up to you. You have everything that you need. See, the, the Spirit of God is speaking to your inner heart, and His love has been revealed, and the reality of salvation is offered, and it's available today, right now. Nothing is present, preventing you from believing God. Nothing but yourself. Nobody's twisting your arm to believe, and nobody's stopping you from coming to Christ. I believe regret will swallow you up through the ages to come as you curse yourself for not hearing his word. You'll, you'll think of this message in these words over and over and over, and you'll think it was right there. What was I thinking? It was so close. I believe the devil's lie that I would have another chance to be saved, but that chance never came. Hey, whether you're here or whether you forbear, it's up to you. Folks, you have everything you need. You need to be saved, okay? You need to be saved. If you don't know that, you don't have that thing nailed down, right now, right now, it's... It's time, it's time to, to decide. Who knew this was the last time that I had to act upon the word? You know what? You might have another 20 years in church to decide. I don't know. You might not even make it to this evening service. Don't be rebellious as they were. Remember that God, uh, God uh, gave the words, and he says, give it to them, whether they take it or reject it. But they're a rebellious house. No, don't be re you don't have to do that. You can humble yourself. You can believe the, 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 the truth of the word of God. You can accept his offer. You can hear his warning today. Every head bowed, nobody looking, but just a moment.